0: Alright everybody, welcome to Positively Midwest. This is episode 15 I believe we're on. And I'm pretty excited for this episode, as I say every time we have an episode, because I'm excited for every single one of them. But today we're going to be interviewing a friend of mine, Brandon Suba, and I met him years, many moons back, in a referral group meeting that I went to, and I just thought he was a pretty cool guy, and he was really positive, and always just jacked up and full of energy, and so, Brandon, would you like to say hi to everybody?
1: Well, absolutely. Hello to all the listeners. I can proudly say that I think I was follower like 20 or 30 on the Positively Mindset Facebook page, and I'm honored to be on the <laughs> podcast today.
0: Well, thanks, man. Yeah, you were like right all over it, and then you were sharing and commenting and posting, and um, I just I love the feedback, and I love it when guys like you get excited, so it really means a lot. So
1: I, I do have to share my frustration, though, With with the Facebook page. And I know we're on you're on other platforms, but my frustration was I would find a good quote, steal the picture, and when I go to post it, either I had stolen it from positive mindset (laughs) or somebody had just posted and I was like, Dang it somebody beat me to it so that that's my only frustration I deal with the website or with the, the social
0: yeah I find sometimes when I'm you know scanning around for stuff or generally I have an idea or a feeling and then I'm like how do I portray this so that other people or I can type on it you know and throw my thoughts out there and then I'll go and find it and if I did take it from somewhere I'll leave their little um, website or whatever on the bottom and, and that kind of thing and maybe throw ours on there but I'm really surprised at that there is a big community for positive um, different websites to flood your social media with. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarities out there.
1: No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'll take those over other stuff.
0: Oh man. Well, for every, you know, negative action, you know, that there's, you know, probably millions of websites spreading that out there quickly. So yeah, it's great that, that you and I are are part of a community that's about positivity. That's
1: right. I agree. I agree. (laughs)
0: So I met you, uh, like I said, a few moons ago at a at a referral meeting that we had here in the Watertown area. And uh, man, you were just a ball of energy. And at that time, it was seven thirty in the morning when I had to go to those. And I thought, geez, I don't, I can't be getting up this early and going to this thing. And it was only one; it was only once a week. And now that, well, I haven't been able to lately. But I've been going to the gym, getting up at five in the morning, and doing all that stuff. It. I look back and go, geez. You probably could have applied yourself a little bit better there. But here comes Brandon flying through the door, just, woo, the world's on fire and I love it and I'm part of the fire. And you probably had to get up at like four or three in the morning because you were from you're from Omaha.
1: Yeah, and I would usually I wouldn't I would stay in uh, Sioux Falls when I was out visiting you guys. But but the funny thing is, like I can't get up to do a workout in the morning. I can't. I work out in the afternoon. But if I have to get up for business or, you know, get up for a meeting or something, once I'm up, I'm up. And and my seven-year-old, who we'll probably talk about a little later, she's the same way. Once she is up, she is up. And then I have a two-year-old, and she'll, like, wake up and kind of hang out in the crib for a little bit. She's she's not in a big hurry, uh, you know, until she's, like, ready to get up. And then she lets us know. <laughs> and and so she's kind of, like, chill in the morning. But my wife hates mornings. is horrible at mornings. Uh, so I am not her favorite person in the morning because I, I do I wake up with this energy uh, I love it don't get me wrong but if but I have to have a motivation and unfortunately the gym is not that motivation for early morning so I <laughs> I got up uh, it was probably about five five thirty to get ready and then drive out to see you guys uh, in Watertown
0: holy biscuit so that that does make me think then what what is a typical morning like for you because I, I wake up and like you said I can agree with that I get up and I'm kind of like. Well, now that I'm up, I'm old enough where I have to go pee, so I might as well get up and go do that, and then I'm, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm pretty much awake. So, like, I mean, is it just that you're, you're so excited to take on the day, or maybe you're old enough to have to go to the bathroom right away?
1: I, you know what? It's funny. This last year, uh, I finally reached that age, apparently. For me, it is, uh, <laughs> gosh, how old am I? 36. It's 36 for me. Yes. How's that? 5? Five o'clock. Yeah, I I feel I wake up and I'm like, yeah. So why can't I get back to bed? Go to the bathroom. And usually I can sneak another hour or so in. But uh, (laughs) no, I get up at six every day, uh, six, six thirty, I guess, depending. And usually my other daughter or my oldest daughter is up about that time. And then I get ready. I snag the kids. We go downstairs and we do the breakfast thing, which gives my wife time uh, to get up on her own, get ready on her own. And uh, everybody's generally out the door about that seven forty-five. of course with uh, covid now it's more kind of that eight o'clock uh time that everybody gets out i'm at home so i just wait till everybody leaves uh, but the breakfast routine i love i get to hang out with my daughters in the morning it's just kind of our time we do a lot of dancing lots of fun music um if you haven't heard it's raining tacos just ask alexa to play crazy music and she'll play you uh the playlist and it has crazy tacos my oh, first song. I hope everyone that was
0: listening to this now in the future, their their Alexa goes off and it does that for them.
1: I I would love it. I'd love, <laughs> I'm surprised nothing went off in, in the room I'm in, but I guess I'm lucky there. Uh, and, and then and then it's go time. So when I travel, uh, it's a little bit different. than that's just me. I usually listen to some podcasts in the mornings and things on those lines. But I, I don't know when you wake up inspired. I don't need to feed myself with too much inspiration. Uh, but every little bit helps and, and I always like to, to put on a podcast or listen to something that kind of gets me moving for the day.
0: So that that's a bit of your motivation then that um, I know when I'm listening to different podcasts you know it, it is like a TV you know and, and I love radio anyways I don't want to be biased just because I do radio sales but I've always loved it and in one of the, our previous episodes we talked about I've even had a scholarship uh, filled out for Brown University and um, decided to stay around here with my wife and stuff, and it all worked out, anyways. But my point is that you get it—you know—you get into those episodes, and sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, "Oh God, I got—I can't wait to finish that that next episode of the podcast I was listening to."
1: That all depends. Um, I, I'm the same way. Uh, I can get more. For me, it's probably like sci-fi or The Walking Dead or something on TV that I can't finish, and then I'm like ready to go in the morning. Uh, but <laughs> But I try to plan my podcast out, especially drive time, just to match my drive. And, uh, of course, the Ron Burgundy podcast is only 30 minutes. That's an easy one to digest real quick.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't even know there was a Ron Burgundy podcast.
1: You're, you know, Steve, I'm, I've never been disappointed in you until now. That blows my mind. Yeah, he's, he's got like two seasons. I Heart Radio, Ron Burgundy did a podcast, and it is uh, it's as dumb as you would think it is. But, you know, when you're driving <laughs> – Three hours. It's a good way to kill a little bit of time.
0: I I just uh, I wrote it down on my scratch paper. I drew a box around it and a star. Perfect. Can I get it underlined too? Um, two of them. One, two. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's dig into this. Tell me a little bit about you know we we are dealing with COVID. Even though people listen to this years from now, at least it'll be good retrospect. But um, tell us a little bit about being home and. Um, We talked a bit, I don't know if off the air is the right term, but we'll use it. Um, You and I are both trying to teach our our kids um, with the the schooling now that we're doing a little bit of this e-learning or whatever they're calling it. I don't care what the term is, but we're we're helping teach our children some schooling that we probably don't know any of anymore.
1: Yeah. Or uh, my favorite post I've seen is uh, right now they're doing the crazy math where you kind of like box stuff and you know 10 is one and zero and all of that when most of us i'm assuming that are listening to this you know you just work down the line one plus one that's two and so on and so on and so i saw the post and they're like just wait till all the math teachers see how we taught them how to do the math <laughs> instead of uh, how they were teaching them <laughs> yeah so so <sighs> So my wife works uh, for a bank, so she goes to the office every single day. I travel, otherwise I'm at home, so I have my home office. And then uh, my youngest is in daycare, and my, my oldest is a first grader this year. So that first week when it was finally, all, you know, the school shut down, and it was the reality is you're going to be teaching your children, I took on taking care of a two-year-old, uh, and then teaching a seven-year-old, and, and this was before they really had all of, uh, like all organized. Now it's much more organized uh, than what it was then. So I just had some random stuff my wife chose and she, uh, let's see, she, she had not stayed home yet. She was still going to the office at this point uh, when the whole COVID thing was going down. And I would say it was roughly 945 and I had lost my mind at that point. <laughs> Uh, I, I try to be a very positive person, but I'm sorry if you're a parent and you're listening to this, you know, that parent mode that you go into where you just, you would never, and, and this may come off wrong, but you would never talk to a normal person this way. But since it's your child, not listening or not doing what you're asking, so, you know, you just go into this. Why? Or <laughs> I'm not going to say yell, but you know, aggressively say something. I, I don't know if people are going to hate me for this, but, but go ahead. So in the midst of all this, I text my wife because she was going to be coming home like Wednesday or she was going to have kids on Wednesday or something. And I texted her like, this is not working. Just so you know, I cannot do this. Like I just I lost my mind. So she so time goes on and she had come home and she took it on. And, uh, for the first week, we had both of us. So at the end of that week, it was both of us. We could figure it out. But one of us could not work. That was kind of the catch to it. Well, my sister lives in Las Vegas, and she had flown in right before everything got bad, and quarantined and all of that. That's why we had this week with uh, kind of like just us doing it. So now, very fortunately, she takes both children and between my mom and my sister, who she, she is in sales, uh, and her main clients are casinos, and those are pretty much all shut down in Vegas, so she just came home. And she's doing the teaching with her two kids plus mine. And then uh, my two-year-old kind of bounces around everybody. So my wife and I were able to, in essence, get back to work. But this is what we kind of talked about uh, before we hit record, was I saw a post. And it said, just remember, your kids won't necessarily remember what you taught them, but they're going to remember how you reacted. And when I read that, it really stopped me in my tracks because all day long, I was yelling at my daughter that she wasn't doing the work she was supposed to be doing. She wasn't respecting me like you would respect the teacher. Why can't you just do this? And, and then my other daughter, who's two, who's getting into everything and driving me up the wall. And I've got toys everywhere. And she won't play with a single one of them. And just wants to be held. You know, I'm like yelling at her because she just wants to be held. And I need to get this email done and everything. And after reading that post, all I could think of was this is what they're going to remember. They're going to remember that their dad yelled at them. When everybody else was you know, having issues and when on, on the news, all we heard was deaths and testing and all of this. And that really changed my perspective really on, I don't care what they come out learning here. I'm more worried how they come out learning how their parents or how I treated them. And I'm glad that I read that early on because even up to date, I think we put expectations on our kids. And, and within COVID time, not not overall, but we put expectations on our kids right now that might reflect more do as I say, not as I do. Uh, and, and I'm going to make the joke drinking, right, which, uh, and, and we said we get into this a little bit. My wife and I, oh, well, my family's Catholic, and both of us gave up drinking during the week for Lent. Oh, boy. And, and, yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but pretty much all the major stuff happened during oh. Lent. So we we made it. We both succeeded, which I was a little shocked, but we both succeeded. But if your kids see you stressed and, and drinking all day, which I'm not, I'm not judging, by the way, I want to be very clear, but if they see you drinking all day during the COVID time, and maybe it's because you don't have to work and you do need to unwind or whatever it is, they're going to remember that. They're not going to remember that you taught them how to do multiplication in three weeks, what I consider the right way. I don't know how they teach it nowadays, but you know, the right way. <laughs> So I was glad that I saw that post, and that really helped me uh, kind of work through this more in-home, having the family home um, time, if you will.
0: That's awesome, because that, when you mentioned that off-air, that's, that really hit a a trigger with me, if you will, too, because that's one thing, we've both been at home now working with the kids, and um, I found myself kind of uh, maybe getting on my wife here and there, like, hey, don't, don't be like that with them, and... And then I'd I'd jump in, and I'd try to help, and then I'd just react humanly the same way. And she was like, you know, see, don't be doing that. And it was like, okay. So we started reflecting a lot, and it was, um, you know, these these kids are just a product of how they're raised. And that's always been one of my favorite phrases because it was easy for me um, when I wasn't quite on the self-growth path somebody would say something, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't be like that, or you shouldn't do that. I'd be like, well, that's just how I was raised or not raised. Right. <laughs> but right. um, I, I, I love it because then we started, and it's between us, you know, but uh, her and I, and we just kind of picked apart the kids, like whose personality was stronger there and who was that, how they were just like us at different times and, and then how they reacted. And so um, you're 110% right, they – you, you can tell them all day long until you're blue in the face, face how you want them to act, how they should do things, but it's your actions that are really teaching these kids how to be human beings.
1: Well, and we learn by what we see, and that's just who we are as humans. When when I give presentations, uh, and, and it's talking about maybe you know bringing in a new recruit uh, or bringing somebody new into your business, I'll have people do the okay symbol, like you hold up your hand and you do the okay And I will say out loud, put it on, put this okay symbol on your ear, but I put it on my chin and most of the crowd puts it on their chin versus putting it on their ear because that's what they saw me do. (laughs) So when as parents we get in our minds, like, gosh, I have told you a thousand times don't wear shoes when you're sitting on the couch yet. I'm sure I came home and I'm tired or, you know, it's during the day, and I, I always wear shoes. I have indoor and outdoor shoes, but I don't like slippers. I like shoes. <laughs> and I'm sure they've seen me with shoes on the couch. And, you know, we tell them not to do these things, and then, and then we do them. Well, they're going to see it, and, and they're going to do it. Um, and, and that's what that's my challenge is uh, I talk a lot about arts and poops and all that kind of stuff around the house. And it's to the point my 7-year-old goes, Dad, you can't say that because then I'm going to say it, but I'll get in trouble when I say it. And I'm like, yes, yes, you're right, you will. So just, good luck with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of the um, do as I say, not as I do with our kids. I know I I get a little verbal sometimes with uh, um, a little bit of profanity here and there. And uh, hmm. they, uh, my kids take – it seems that the, the universe is, and God has worked out well for us where they – They've seemed to take just the good stuff from me most of the time, and so they're not yeah. running around cursing like sailors and asking for a rolling rock or anything. So, <laughs> so, so that's good. But they do no, know how to negotiate very well. So there's that sales. They know how to be um, very facetious when the moment calls, and and uh, they're very st- stubborn and independent. So, yeah, that's that's what happens, and that I'm I guess I'm pretty happy with that and overall though
1: oh i agree so far so good (laughs) um although i'm pretty sure my daughter has adhd and i'm not using that as a blanketed term i have adhd i guess we can say that on the podcast because it probably helps to understand my energy a little bit uh but she is showing a lot of signs of it too and and i'm sure she's Uh, luckily i i currently do not use any medication personally i went through a very rough time as a young child i was i was in the earlier stages of of ritalin and all of that when they were testing. Uh, grade school kids for ADD and ADHD. So I I got the wrong message. I didn't read what they were trying to help me with. I just read that my brain doesn't work very well and this pill should fix it. And so I was very uh, reluctant. Now I feel mainstream. I mean, everybody comfortably says, oh, I have ADD, no problem. Where when I was a kid, you got made fun of, which I didn't care about getting made fun of. I just didn't want my brain to not work unless I took this pill. So I was very reluctant against that. But yeah, I I see her having a lot of the same uh, tendencies as I do. And it's great when you're a salesperson. It's great when you give presentations and a presenter. It is not great when you're trying to study to be like a doctor or something because I would never be a doctor for many reasons. Uh, One, I can't even watch Grey's Anatomy because I don't do well with like surgical stuff. But two, there's no way I could focus long enough to pass any of the tests. And I know this. I know this. I've
0: accepted it. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I know that. And that you you right. the educations come so far with with the ADHD and ADD too. Because I, I remember when I was in high school, and then my sister has always dealt with that. And like I I was responsible for generally getting her up and then getting her ready and bringing her to school. And and then people would come to my my class and they'd be like, "Oh, did your sister take her pill?" And I'm like, "Well." I mean, I think I gave it to her, and I think she took it, but, like, can't you work around that, you know, and I, right. I, I wasn't educated because I'm, like, in high school, but I just remember getting mad and, and being like, you can't come into my class because you have one kid that's a, a little rambunctious. What did you do? You've been a teacher for a thousand years, so what did you do then? Yeah. Yeah, well, and think about
1: from your sister's perspective, too. She had somebody going to another class and find her brother to ask, well, did she take her medication today? I mean, and and I had to go take it at lunch. They finally put me on a slow release, which was awesome. But in, in, this would have been, I'm trying to think, middle school. In middle school, in the middle of lunch, I had to be like, hey, everybody, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the nurse's office and go take my afternoon pill. And that was probably the hardest. Uh, and and I, I wouldn't go all the time. And then they, you know, call me down. And I'm like, well, it's worse. <laughs> when you get called out of class so maybe i should just do it uh, during the afternoon time but but like i said i'm glad that that has gotten more mainstream i'm also glad that i found other medications ritalin uh it, it, i've never had a temper in my life but when i was on ritalin i i did i had a very short temper i kicked my sister's door in one time and that's just that's not me in any way shape or form but it, I just I got very irritated. Um, I was very irritable when I was on Ritalin. So, so yeah, it, I'm glad that it has made the leaps and bounds it has made. Um, I still feel you know we kind of throw a lot into that category of ADD. Any kid that just can't sit for, for more than ten minutes, they have ADD. I don't think that's true, or ADHD, I should say. Uh, but but better medication and the medications work. I've seen very holistic families have maybe one kid that couldn't focus and uh they were comfortable putting them on certain medications because of the results it gave and and i mean holistic they're very against medications but they were very comfortable giving their their child this because they then could learn in school and and they saw the differences right away so i i do i do think it's a positive i fortunately was just not in the the right time uh, that they were figuring it out i guess
0: yeah i've seen uh there's some people from our area now that there's uh, there are practitioners that are uh, that want to be holistic, but then they seem to find a a proper way maybe to incorporate some of the prescription drugs that are out there. Uh, oh, yeah. And I really liked that approach with one that I I talked to specifically once, but um, it was kind of you know autoimmune diseases was a lot of their uh, focus, but. You know, I've seen it applied in other instances. But, yeah, it was kind of like clear your body, clear your mind, and now let's start putting stuff into it. Because even sometimes with these kids, um, I watched, I, I went down the rabbit hole of documentaries of uh, six months ago, and I started watching them on uh, one one on sugar and one on fat, and then they just started spiraling. And, my God, was sugar alone, if you took everything you drank in a day, or on an average American diet, and then you piled all that sugar next to you in just a pile, and it just looks disgusting. There's no way you would spoon-feed yourself all that sugar.
1: Right, yeah. And and then things that don't even taste sweet. That's what blows my mind. (laughs) How much sugar is in things that don't even taste sweet. And and it's just like, oh, neat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, hey, we come out with this new potato gravy. We got sugar in it. It tastes way better now. (laughs)
1: Oh, this good. I, I, you know, and I make a chicken noodle soup I'm pretty proud of, and for many years I didn't add any sugars. And then I saw a recipe, and I put it in there once. and It did make it better. It did. <laughs> I'll admit it.
0: It, it does. Right. So now I have to – I've lost some of that gumption uh, over the last couple few weeks, which I'm sure a lot of people are dealing with that, but trying to cut back as much as we can still. And just when you get out of routine, it shakes everything up like that. So I don't know if, if that's part of your lifestyle too that you kind of – like I'm the guy who shoes go in the same place, coat hangs here, wallet, keys, that stuff goes all here. I grab my socks, then my underwear, blah blah. I like going in order every single morning. Okay,
1: I, I have ADHD, OCD, I guess, then or oh, is that right? OCD? Yeah, no, oh,
0: O-C- O-C-D. O-C-D? O-C-D.
1: OCD. Yeah, I don't know why I need a two C's in there. <laughs> uh, because yes, I like that routine, but uh, I'll tell you, my my shoes. Do not end up the same place every day, <laughs> so I just have to go find them. Uh, but no, I, I have a little bit of routine uh, that I enjoy, and I think a lot of people's routines are just getting tossed out the window, uh, especially with the COVID stuff. Because for a while there, and and mind you, Steve, Steve and I are coming from Nebraska South Dakota. We never became a shelter or what shelter at home state. I don't think, are you, did you guys, after the Smith plant or whatever, did you guys get a shelter at home?
0: No, especially not in our area. It really was just, um, just kind of, uh, practice the guidelines and stay at home as much as possible, but not an official lockdown.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And and that's the same with us. And I love it because our, our governor put on his Facebook page right away, um, Fauci, you know, kind of like the guy that knows it all on this or or knew enough to to be dangerous, he shouted out to Iowa and Nebraska that even though they're not the official shelter at home, they're doing the right thing. And and I heard that, and I'm just like, well, (laughs) it goes back to that we're more conservative than everybody else. Like, we'll be okay sitting at home for a couple days where, you know, I guess if you have the beach or mountains to climb and stuff, you probably don't. But, you know, in the Midwest, like that, we don't have much else to do. We'll just, we'll watch the Tiger King. That'll be fine. Oh. We'll enjoy that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think um, if I did have mountains here in the Great Plains, I I think that they don't retain germs. So I would go hiking and go out <laughs> onto the mountains.
1: I think we need to keep it more to the beaches then. Because uh, yeah. here they, they finally shut the parks down, but not the trails, which I, I feel is, Interesting in itself, but you can still go around a trail like around a lake or something, but you can't go to the parks with your kids and stuff. So I've seen, I've seen the busiest trails ever because I rollerblade and I haven't gone for the last few weeks. Once snow hit, you know, randomly, but two, I, I just I wouldn't be able to go around because there's just giant packs of people that never are on the trails normally, and so they don't know the etiquette. Because I've dealt with that, they just <laughs> don't know the etiquette. And so I'm not. I'm not even going to risk it because um, I could hurt myself or others. I, when I say rollerblade, let me be clear. This is speed skating. Yeah, like the real deal. Uh, huge wheels, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I, I've hit. I've hit a few people, and they, they fly because I, I can't stop. So so I'm just not risking that. Not risking that.
0: It's hard to believe that you'd be all in, even when it comes to rollerblading.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm all
0: about it. All about it. That's awesome. I can just picture you right now with that black hair just flowing, and you just zipping by at about 40 miles an hour, probably 60.
1: Hey, man, I appreciate that. 35 is, is kind of where I tap out uh, going down hills and stuff, but <laughs> 40 would be 40 would be pretty fun.
0: I, I can handle it. Wow. Well, so you are an, a, a relatively ath- athletic uh, minded individual, and uh, in fact. I know you're a huge fan of one of the most athletic and uh, spectacular uh, sports in the planet. On the planet? Um, that-
1: in, in the planet, too. You can say in the planet. Yeah. I that's,
0: that's uh, <laughs> fitting for the sport. Thank you. So the sport that I'm now segueing to because I'm so good at segues is, is curling. You live. You love curling.
1: I love curling, and I have been so fortunate. On what Omaha has taken on in the curling world, uh, especially because we, I mean we don't even we support hockey. Don't get me wrong, but not like you northern people do. Like <laughs> it's it's way crazier. I've been to a Stampede game in Sioux Falls, and it's it's nuts. Uh, we don't get that crazy here. Um, but but let me let me let me backtrack because I didn't tell you the story off off the air because I told you I'd tell you now. So growing up. I had this little toy, and I never really knew what it was, but it was a little piece of plastic. It probably came from, like, a Happy Meal or something, but it was a little piece of plastic. It had a little roller ball on it, and it was, it, it was a curling stone. So picture the little handle up top, a little plastic piece, and then a little rolling ball that you can't see. And it was made to curl on the table, so on, like, a flat surface. Well, I'm talking, like, six or seven, maybe even younger when I was playing with this toy. So it was always, I I don't know why I always enjoyed it. I only have one. It didn't come in a set or anything. I just had one. So I always enjoyed it. And once, you know, cable and everything got more and more popular, I slipped into the channels and I saw curling randomly. And I'm like, wait a minute, that thing they're throwing looks a lot like that toy that I used to always play with. And so I started watching it. And next thing I knew, I, I watched the whole, whole end. And I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. And so, you know, uh, the Winter Olympics only happens every four years. And so my wife and I, we got together, and it was uh, 10 years ago. So like, the Olympics had just happened or something. And, and so the next Winter Olympics comes, and, I, and I'm just obsessed with curling. She's like, you've never, ever talked about curling, and now that's all you want to watch. And I'm like, well, I know. But I'm I getting a little older, and, and I just I enjoy this, and I want to watch this. So so she accepted it, and she did not support it, like as in she didn't watch it. She supported me, but she didn't watch it. And then we get a few events here in Omaha. So one was a recording of Curling Night in America, which uh, they're on their fourth season. And what they do is they record uh, curling events, uh, well curling ends, if you will. And they do three a day. So one in the morning, one at night, uh, one in the afternoon, and one at night. And they do it for four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And and Sunday's more kind of like the finals. So the tickets come out. It was like $108 for every single event from Thursday to Sunday. And I I looked at her and my wife and I was like, so can I do this? And she goes, yeah, you know, you like it, whatever. You've you've never seen it live, so go for it. So it's like (laughs) awesome. I went to every single one of them. Every To the point I made friends with this older couple, because uh, there was no assigned seating. It, we did not fill the arena. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so I made friends uh, with this older couple. <laughs> it's like on Friday or, or Saturday, maybe it was. They go, well, what, what do you do for business that you can just not be working? And I was like, oh, that's cute. I, I travel, but I did take this time off. Like, I, this is paid time off for me here. And uh, and, and I got to watch it all. And here's the funny thing. And I'm glad we talked about the ADHD because this plays huge into this. Wouldn't you think that the, the, the sport of curling would be the last sport you would think somebody with ADHD would love? Wouldn't you think? It's kind of boring, right? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it once was a drinking game, but then China showed up to Olympics all stacked. So now everybody's getting in shape. But, but here's the deal. If you go see a curling match live, Generally, they have four sheets of ice that are playing at one time. So think about if you go to and and pick basketball, football, whatever you love. I'm also a big football fan. So if you go to a football game and it's like, man, it's a shutout or it's a blowout or, man, one team's horrible, the other team's great, and you just kind of lose interest in it. Well, in curling, when that happens on the sheet you're watching, you have three other sheets that you can just look at and catch up like that. So when you think about it, somebody ADHD that wants to be seeing something new, you know, oh, oh, this shiny over here, it's great. Because I basically have four games going on at one time to watch. So it, by far, watching it live is my preferred way. Um, but it's a great drinking sport. You can drink a lot while you watch it. They last about two hours, so there's plenty of good time with friends and all that. Um, although I'm, I'm probably a little more serious than, than your average uh, curler watcher, if you're watching with them, I don't. I don't want to chit chat too much because <laughs> I'm strategizing with the players out there. Also,
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to so be that, careful with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no. So that that is why I like curling, and they say it's basically chess and bowling on ice, and uh, and it's very true. And it's cool because they've added new rules over the years because the curlers have gotten so good at throwing the stones and so accurate. Uh, that they put some rules in place and one one rule the four stone rule uh where you can only you, the first four stones if they don't land in the house cannot be knocked out and if you know currently well enough you, you get the i'll, I'll say it simple if no stones go in those circles then they can't be knocked out until uh the fifth stone is thrown and then they can knock it out because uh, what was happening is they were so good they could just hit the other person's stone right out of the house and there would never be points so it got very very boring so putting that rule into place, I want to say it affected Canada and America first, uh, but it was just last year that that is now a worldwide rule uh, applying. So I was watching a curling match in Sweden a couple of years ago uh, on YouTube, and they weren't abiding by it. It threw me off at first. I was like, oh, there's no defense. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't apply to them yet. Now it is a, a world rule. Though.
0: So... A couple of things, but but one, I'm pretty sure that you're the only person in my circle of people I know that is um, involved in curling and actually claims that it's a sport that they really enjoy and watch.
1: Well, I'm happy to be that person for
0: you. Yeah, that's happy super cool. That <laughs> um, the reason I uh, – why well, I, I remembered it from your social media posts and stuff over the years, but um, my wife and I went through uh, – um, we were on our way to St. Croix to go to Adam Sandler concert last year and um, came a- across uh, Chaska and they have this like rec center and it um, looked like it was really cool. Had a nice little bar and a restaurant. We always look for unique places to eat when we roll through and um, stop there. And I was like, holy crap, crapola, this is like a giant curling uh, arena, I guess you'd call it. And there's people down there practicing and there's people signing up to, to go up next. And, and so I don't know a whole lot about it, but it looks to me like it must be some sort of uh, um, like it's, it's similar to shuffleboard. Like the rings must have different uh, scoring. And then when you hit people off or if you're both in one area, not sure how the scoring works, but you basically throw that thing and then guys run out there in front of it and sweep it to try to keep it moving at a certain speed. Right.
1: Oh, how deep do we go? How deep do we go? So the rings have no point value. It is whichever stone is closest to the center until your opponent's stone. So if you have two stones closest to the center, and then your opponent would be the third closest. That would be worth two points. Uh, so when you knock them out, the goal is to only have your color in any of the rings and have everybody else or have the other color knocked out. So that's that's kind of on the scoring system. That's why they added that four stone rule, because if your stone is sitting in the middle and you get knocked out, and then the next person gets knocked and one and one and one, and, and you can have a blank end. You can have it where it is zero points uh, because whoever goes last, it's kind of an honor to go last, and then that's called the hammer. And so if you could only score maybe one point this round, you can, if, if you can, you can knock all the stones out and then you would get the hammer for the next round, so then you would go last again. Um, and then the, the, the brushes, the uh, sweepers, They can manipulate a curling stone. I want to say it's it's a manner of like 10, 15 feet, and that's speeding it up. Uh, You can't slow it down, but then you can make it curl or turn a little bit more. But the cool thing is those stones, they naturally turn. That's why it is named curling, because with the way they make the sheet of ice, which that's a whole topic on itself, but with the way they make the ice, and you spin that stone it makes a natural curve out and back in uh so that's something you know like when you throw a dart it's going to go straight so it's going to loop and come down but when you throw a curling stone it does curl and that's how they can get into the center going around other stones and stuff
0: oh okay but, yeah. wow yeah because i've watched it in uh you know a little bit here and there especially during the olympics but uh you know, you see <laughs> them, they throw it out there, and then these guys get out and just sweep like crazy in front of it. And then it just gets to where it needs to, and erch, just kind of stops. And sometimes it spins around a little bit, you know, while it's going to where, to its destination, if you will. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, and, and it is part of the sport for the person that threw the stone to yell at, at everybody else. Like, that is kind of part of the sport to be yelling. And you know, not everything they they say is is obvious. Uh, like you know, obviously, whoa, whoa, or no, no, that's that's pretty obvious. Don't don't sweep right up on those lines. Uh, but uh, line is good, even though it doesn't go in a straight line. That's something that they say a lot. Uh, get it, get it, go get it, go get it. <laughs> and it's just it's it, for me. And, and live, you get to hear it more. But there is a piece that really interests me on just the the yelling side of it. And I, I got to share this with you. So with the Curling Night in America, oh, which also then we had the Olympic Trials, which we're going to get those back in Omaha uh, for the next Winter Olympics. So that was another event I got to go to. But during uh, the Curling Night in America, it was the first real curling event that had ever been in Omaha. And it started at nine on a Thursday. So you know, not everybody had shown up yet. Let's just put it that way. And so a lot of us had never been to a live match. We didn't know what to do. So we were very, very quiet and let them focus and all that. Well, it's, they, they hosted it in a hockey arena. So all of the season ticket hockey uh, holders, they got free tickets to this. So then Friday night was a riot because you had a bunch of hockey fans in there with their cowbells and their you know, everybody's drinking and everything. And I go to find out that is actually how you should enjoy curling. Oh. getting really drunk and being really loud. And one of the skips from Scotland skips uh, like the leader of, of the team. But it, 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 somebody from the crowd made a comment or kind of gave him a little crap uh, as yelling at him. And he kind of looked over and he just did the, like the bring it, you know, with your hand, how you kind of like bring it. He just did that to the crowd. And I'm like, oh, so this is kind of an interactive sport. Because think about they're standing most of the time. Really, they're they're strategizing. They're standing a lot too, so you can have so much fun at a curly match. And then if you watch, like on the Olympics and stuff, uh, you'll hear in the background they have cheers uh, that they've written. Uh, there's awesome posters that I see. Uh, one of the Olympic, the USA Olympic stars was uh, Landsteiner. He's he's the guy that throws first. <laughs> but I saw a sign written, and this was from people that came from Minnesota to see him because he's from Minnesota. <laughs> it says Landsteiner slept with my wife. And I just thought that was really
0: cute. <laughs> Jeez, that's funny. So there's, it's um, it's actually a sport that where um, it probably starts out with some of your buddies and then as it grows and girls, it's like you you have a relationship with some of these players then that are on these teams, I'm guessing.
1: Absolutely. And what they've talked a lot about uh, with technology, and not, not because of COVID necessarily, but with technology is. Uh, a lot of them are using FaceTime and stuff to practice with each other on the off season um, because you've got a lot of people, you know, Wisconsin versus Minnesota and you can't drive and get together all the time to practice. So they're using technology to kind of get their groove together so that when they are together live, uh, they're, they're much better off than they would have been.
0: Oh, wow. That's cool. So is that a, um, how often in a normal situation, no COVID. How often do you get to curl uh, yourself?
1: Oh, so I have two daughters and a wife and plenty of plenty to do in my life. I have never curled once in my life, personally.
0: Oh, boo! So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Because we had a bunch of free,
1: you know, come try all this stuff with all the events going on. I don't want to try it and fall in love with it because I won't get to do it. I don't have time. I mean, <laughs> Two or three hours, plus, you know, the drinking time, the hangout time and all that. I don't have time. I don't have time right now. But as we get a little older, or as our kids get older, I should say, uh, which is my fault we get older with them, uh, my wife and I, we do want to get into curling when the kids are old enough to either go with us or not care that we're gone. So so someday I will. But until now, I am truly spectator
0: okay well there's nothing wrong with that because it's not like i'm going out and playing football or anything but i still watch it so
1: <laughs> I see, and i use that i use that with people that really dig into me which it never really happens <laughs> i never get to talk about curling this much let me just tell you right now but but i, I do the same thing to people i'm like well you watch baseball for hours on end when's the last time you played a competitive baseball game
0: mm-hmm.
1: well never well exactly like you know we can enjoy sports and not be part of it. but yeah that is why i have not done it because I'm worried I am gonna love it and then I wouldn't wouldn't be able to do it. So part of staying positive is know your boundaries, right? Don't don't tempt yourself with something you can't do and then be sad about it.
0: <laughs> well, you look at our area too. I mean when it comes to Well, that would be a hard sport to share with your kids right now. And, you know, you look at people that play guitar like I do, or people that um hunt and fish or they have a boat or whatever, whatever you're into kayaking. So I'm into all these different things, but I, I take like the conservative Midwest about it. So we have two kayaks now put together. They both probably cost us like four or $500. You can buy a boat for like thousands of dollars for some of these kayaks. Um, I like to, uh, you know, watch football. So I've got some Cowboys gear around. I like to podcast. So I got a mixer and that stuff. But none of it's, like, grand scale here. So I think you're laying the, the groundwork so you'll have all this knowledge <laughs> and uh, then your kids are, are old enough to help out and you're going to build, like, well, like the bad news bears, but it's going to be, like, for curling, if anyone knows that movie.
1: I do. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the equivalent is. You know, there's not a lot of curling movies out there, (laughs) uh, just to be very clear.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's probably one, but you're going to be in one probably.
1: You know, I will tell you, Canada uh, really embraces curling. I'm sure they have a curling movie. Uh, But my dad made friends uh, with some Canadians through business, and we were in Palm Springs one time, and uh, my dad and and the the Canadian the homies, his last name's Homie, they had (laughs) golf. And they were gonna come back for dinner, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so excited! I'm I can finally talk curling with somebody." She goes, "Don't, just just don't. They're not gonna care." And I'm like, "Oh, you just wait, you just wait." So I came in, and uh, I just said something very simple, like, "Oh, hey, by the way, did you see that title that they put on YouTube? TSN, which is kind of their ESPN." And he just went off. He he just exploded with excitement, and him and I talked for like an hour about curling by the pool. And, and my wife just rolled her eyes the whole time. And she goes, I can't believe it. And I go, No, in Canada, they really are obsessed with curling. That's why, if you paid attention to this last Olympics, yes, the USA won, which was awesome, but Canada really did not show up this year or this, this last Olympics. And because of Facebook, I follow a lot of Canadian teams. And I'll tell you what, it, it was a lot like um, Nebraska football. Everybody was just giving up on it, telling them to fire everybody. <laughs> They're horrible. I'm like, this is the first Olympics in many years, but they're not sweeping everything pun intended there, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, so let it go guys, because they'll come back or everybody else finally just got good enough to compete with them. That's... So I'm sure Canada has a, a curling movie or two.
0: <laughs> if not, maybe we could get Mike Myers involved and he could do a, you know, blades of glory <laughs> type movie, but it would be for curling.
1: Oh, that'd be awesome. There'd be a love story there somewhere. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, so I married a curling... Uh, oh, because he had... So I married an axe murderer. So it'd be like... So I married a curling <laughs> athlete.
1: So I married a curling sweeper.
0: Yeah. So, That's you know, it made me right. think when you said uh, you follow a lot of uh, uh, Canadian teams and it my mind kind of goes all over the place sometimes, but I wanted to narrow it down to... We talked a little bit about... Um, negativity out on social media and how easy that is. And then even with the COVID, some people say it's blown out of proportion. Some people say, stay home, don't leave. Some people say, you know, throw on some plastic wrap and then you can leave or whatever, you right. know? And, and I, I keep thinking, you know, you, a lot of the self-help books say you are who you surround yourself with. And I think it goes the same with social media. You are who you follow or what you, you, Um, like and comment and and share and view. So if you're into curling and you follow a bunch of curling teams and you find the positivity there, if you follow our group, if you follow whatever ones are out there, um, you know, really people can take control more now than ever, I think, on their social media. If you don't want to see that ad, you can click hide it. If you don't want to see that negative comment, you can report it or or, uh, unfollow that person or unfollow that page and So I just, I thought it was really awesome that, yeah, you might be the only dude I know that's kind of into curling, and uh, there's obviously a whole world out there of people that love it. Now it's getting to be, uh, you know, a world, they've made more rules about it recently because it's getting so popular and they're getting good at it. So I think that's just a testament to no matter what you're into, you can find a positive way to let it influence your life and uh, find like-minded people.
1: Well, I'll I'll take it one step further with you, too. I truly believe you can control your feed. And and you talked about all the different ways you can unfollow. You can even delete out words. Uh, You can select words that just, you know, no longer post with this word in it it will show up or anything like that. But if you scroll through my, let me rephrase this. If you aren't comfortable with your seven-year-old scrolling through your Facebook feed, and I'm not saying your seven-year-old having an account or even being on Facebook, because we're 50 50 on the device thing and luckily my oldest daughter she she will easily play Minecraft for 20 minutes and then set her iPad down to be like I'm good like we don't fight over it and I know that is not the case in most families and and we're we're just randomly lucky in that but if you're not comfortable with your kids scrolling through your Facebook feed because you aren't sure what the posts are going to be that might be an area where you're bringing negativity in your life and you don't realize it because we don't look at it. It's like when you listen to a song that you love, you you listen to it a million times, you know, every single word, but you listen to it with your kid one time in the room and you're like, Oh, uh Oh, Nope. Nope. We're going to turn that off. I did not realize. (laughs) That's what that meant. It's because you're more aware of it because it's not your ears only. It's your ears plus this influential person next to you, is this what you want them saying, doing, or listening to? And chances are they wouldn't catch the lyrics. Like, you know, they wouldn't put the, the storyline together in the lyrics, but, but you, you do, and you know that. And I think social media is very much the same. If you set your feet up and you're following a lot of people that, like Joe Rogan, right? I, I will listen to his podcast from time to time, I'll see his videos that are sponsored ads and all that. And I'll watch him. I don't mind Joe Rogan. I love him from the man show. I've known him long enough growing up. Like I respect him and the art that he does, but I don't follow him on any social media because I don't want to see all of his personal feelings all the time. Cause maybe I don't agree with all of them, or maybe it wouldn't be something that I necessarily want to have in my life, but unfriending and, and not following, I think, almost falls under that category of telling a friend you don't want to be friends with them anymore. And I mean, unfriending somebody, they don't know unless they do research and they just catch it one day. But I think it's getting to the point where it's even hard for us to let that go in the social realm because you're going to miss out on something or it might hurt their feelings or something like that. But you control your destiny. Like You control what you're exposed to. I think that's a big challenge in the social world. Do you guys, do you, do you see that? Do you, do you kind of feel that way too with your music and, and with your social?
0: Oh, for sure. You know, I think uh, everybody has their own, well, one thing we found out <laughs> just cause you maybe you touched on it right away, but you can uh, you can still be friends with someone and you can unfollow their, their feed, if you will. So that, they have no idea that you don't see their stuff, but then you still show up as their friend, um, you know, in that regard. Cause I know how, how socially awkward or difficult that can be sometimes, especially too. sometimes if you're in business to business sales and um, you know, maybe you want to post something or, or they post something and it bothers you cause it doesn't jive with your mindset. And so you could, you could unfollow them, but be, be their friend still. But yeah, I do see that a lot where, Um, you know, I might really like a band or something and their music and especially that I've been getting into reggae a lot the last few years. Um, everybody's familiar with sublime that's in our age group, but, um, man, there's some really, really good reggae bands out there that are just, they're, they're lighthearted. A lot of them sometimes are even religious where they talk about, it might be jaw taking care of you or whatever, instead of the word God, but same difference. And uh, but one thing I noticed is that a lot of those reggae artists, and totally okay, use your platform how you want to. This isn't judgy pants, it's just me. But they will uh, get very political a lot of the times, and, and politics is one thing I just don't do, because I'm, I'm the first to say I'm not educated enough, and so I'm not going to come out and say, this is how we fix our country, or this president's this, or do this or do that. Cause I'm, I'm just not educated enough. So that's, yeah, that's one thing I see the most is is political rants and political arguments. And we're all so powerful. Uh, keyboard warriors, I think was one term yeah. I loved. So uh, yeah, that's what I see the most. And it's like, that's great. I love your music and I'd love to kind of get my own idea of how you are as a person. But then, you know, if you start saying stuff that I don't always agree with, Uh, Facebook's very good at their algorithm. So if you don't like stuff, I think every few or a handful of posts, they kind of just put it away for you. So that's why you see, even on our page, Positively Midwest, you see us, hey, comment what you're doing today, or take a picture of what you got going on, because we need engagements to keep reaching more people. And I hate to make it sound salesy like that, but... That is, that's what Facebook thrives on. They want a picture of your face or someone else's face. They want you to type some, you know, emotional post, and then they want you to like, comment, and share it so they know that you like it and mm-hmm. th- they want to keep putting it in your feed. So let that be a lesson, too, to make sure you like, comment, and share all of our stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: no. The more you want to see something, you know, interact. And then, Devil's Advocate, when you react to something negative that maybe you're trying to defend on a post or something, guess what? They don't read what you comment. They just know you commented. So you're going to start seeing more of that
0: too. Oh, God. And you might be a person that gets jacked up by that anyway. So they might think, oh, they love to debate. They love to argue about politics or whatever. So I'm going to put as much of that stuff in their face as possible so they can keep. They want you on Facebook 23.59 hours a day.
1: (laughs) Sorry. What was that? I was scrolling through my Facebook. What'd you just say? Uh, Oh, I'm I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. It's like, if you could be on it nonstop, that would be great for them. I mean, it's, it's Mm -hmm. advertising. And I I remember when it used to, they'd started and it was Steve Jerns is watching Star Trek and it was, (laughs) you know, it was like, you had to, you had to phrase your update with what you were actually doing because that's what it was. You want to see a picture of what I'm doing or I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. And and that was really cool. That's what Facebook was to me. Um, now it's like, it's, it's 80% advertising and then 10% friends and 10% stuff. I don't even look at.
1: Well, and I, I'm very fortunate. I do get a lot of exposure. I, I did another podcast for five years with a company I was with and, um, I, I get to present, on different topics and things like that in the business world. So I get a lot of friend requests and, and maybe, you know, I'll be part of a networking group and everybody in the group will friend me. And then other people from their friends will friend me and stuff. And, you know, at first I was like, this is so cool. And then they slowed down a little and I joined a couple um, chambers working with a, a digital marketing company. So they kind of ramped up again and I finally made a template. So when I get a friend request, uh, first I look at how many mutual friends and if we have zero uh, bad news we're, we're probably not going to connect because I probably have no idea who you are so I, I will say no to those uh if it's in that 10-15 range like I said maybe it's a new networking group I got in or, or a chamber group or something I'll, I'll take that that'll be fine I recognize but then if if in your feed your first few posts are you know a political rant or if all your posts are just they're not advertisements but shares you know like garfield really had seven stripes not eight. Ooh, i I don't care and i don't don't have enough time. i don't want that to fill my feed so so i'll reject it that way or if you pass all of those and i'm like okay now you're cool and 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 i friend you and then i see your first few posts or how you feel and, and i'll go with you on the politics thing i i think you and i you you said it best i'm not educated enough to have This conversation. I know how I feel about it, but I'm not educated enough to debate with you. Nor do I really want to. So then, if those first few posts are are just, you know, I don't want to read them, I will unfriend them. And and I'm I'm happy I do this because there are just some negative people out there, and their ultimate goal is to make everybody else negative so that they feel they have company. And honestly, I don't have time for that. I don't I don't have time for that. I'd rather spend more time with my family. We opened up the the can of worms. So watching curling, speed skating, whatever it is, I'd rather be doing that than reading how you feel, you know, about the the weatherman that forecasted the the temperature wrong by five degrees because they don't know what they're doing. It's a <laughs> forecast, man. It's not a guarantee. Let's be very clear on that. It's
0: not a guarantee. Yeah. Well, and I I like how you know you you just said the phrase that some people are just sort of negative. And when we uh, first kind of kicked this all off, you know, I went through the typical, I checkmarked all of my friends and invited them to the page and, you know, thought it would just, why wouldn't everybody want this in their life? And of course I have one of the best ideas ever and no one's going to do it like Positively Midwest is doing it. And one day I get a message from a guy after a few weeks or whatever. and And I will say that I've I have only invited people one time. I don't do the reminder thing and I don't, you know, if you want to set, leave it, sit in your, your uh, back burner and then two years from now you end up liking the page or you just, that's your way of, of not liking it, uh, but you don't want to hurt my feelings by ignoring it, that's cool. I, I'm I'm down with that. I'm not going to sit here and remind you. But my point is, is that he, he sent me a Facebook message and he's like, um, and I'm paraphrasing, this is not verbatim, but. Like, yo, bro, you got to quit sending me all these invites for your Positively Midwest page. Um, I get your do what you're doing. Um, that's cool. Good for you. But um, once I saw that one of your rules was uh, you cannot be any negative posts or uh, like rude behavior, basically, you would be like banned or kicked off the group. And at first, I'm like, well, duh. I mean, it's positively Midwest. Right. I don't want right. you to come in here when someone says, oh, I'm having a tough day. I really could use some whatever. And then people post uplifting stuff, and you come in and be a jerk about it. But I, he's like, I just want to be uh, – uh, usually my opinions are very honest, and a lot of times they come off negative. And I thought, well, I can overanalyze this and, and you know, whatever all day long. But really – what made me think overall now that it's been a while is like, well, I don't think that's completely true because you can say whatever opinion you want, no matter what the opinion is. And it's just like, you know, uh, when someone said, um, well, you know, there's, there's different ways, tone and inflection. You can say, you know, Hey F you or "Ah, F you. And you know Mm -hmm. that there's a difference there. Uh, obviously, and I was trying to think of another example, but that was the only one I could think of, so I just went I with thought, it.
1: I thought that was a great effing example. <laughs> thank, <So>. thank you.
0: <laughs> and, and it's like, so whatever happened to diplomacy, and it falls in line with the keyboard warriors too. That you, know, you don't always you can disagree with everyone all day long. That's totally fine, but it's how you do it. So if you come mm-hmm. across and you're cursing and swearing and lighting up everybody, and you're calling them dumb and you're you're berating them. That's that's not stating your opinion in an honest fashion that seem to come off negative. That seems like someone who has got a lot of angst and anger who only knows how to say things negatively because he's already mad at the world. Whew. Whew. That's what so, I had to say about that quick.
1: And Grant Cardone, which I don't know how crazy positive he really is. He's a good motivator for me cuz no matter how much energy I wake up with or get in a day i can't compete with that guy but <laughs> he he talks about not messing with politics because it, it, and like you said it doesn't matter it's how you say it but it doesn't matter and i think one key to to being positive or to live a positive life is ask yourself this question do you have to win do you have to win and that can go in, in any state and by the way for all you married couples. Ask yourself this next time you guys get in a fight. Do you have to win? Because I started, and guess what? My wife can win as many fights as she wants because my life is sure better when she wins. But, <laughs> but when you think about it, do you have to win? So we see, and, and we're going to go back to sports here, and, and we can get to, like, normal sports, uh, you know, football. Except for the Cowboys. They're not real. But, but football, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> that, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a I have no issues with the Cowboys like some people do. Thank you. So, so think about sports. We see stories of, you know, sports teams that didn't lose a a game all year, you know, a pitcher that didn't have a single hit all year, whatever it is. Those are phenomenal stories, and we love to hear those. But unless you're a real sports fanatic, you usually can't share the specifics of those. But then we see, like, track and field. And somebody that their leg gives out or they give out, you know, midway through the, the run or right near the end, And instead of the person crossing the finish line, they come back and they pick them up and they walk over it together. Now, out of those, out of the amazing successful sports stories of you know not getting a single hit all year versus somebody walking back and helping that person up instead of going over the finish line, don't you think that's the two the one thing that you could ask yourself is did they have to win? Did they have to win? Because if I haven't had a single person hit my pitches all year, you better believe I'm gonna be pretty cocky about that. I'm gonna be really proud of that. And it probably gets to a point where, yeah, they do have to win. And when that first hit happened, they're gonna be pissed. They're gonna have a hard time with that because their goal was they had to win. But that person that didn't go across the finish line but came back, helped that other person, walked them over the finish line together, their goal wasn't to win. Their goal was to do the best they could. They saw somebody that that was stolen from them, so they went back to help them over winning. And I think when it comes to positivity in life, if you ask yourself, do I have to win? And you can comfortably say no, you will go into situations in a positive mindset. You'll come out of them as a better person. Because when you're not so blocked with winning, you learn. You learn from others. You help others. And helping others is one of the greatest things we can do in this world. So for me, I ask myself with my kids, with my wife, when I play sports, when I'm even making a sale, do I have to win? And you know what, Steve? I don't. I don't have to win because I still get to wake up tomorrow. Well, you know, God giving. I still get to wake up tomorrow and do my breakfast routine with my kids. I still get to look forward to doing a podcast on Monday. I've been stoked all weekend for this, by the way. But I still get to look forward to that on a Monday. I don't have to win to be happy in life. And if that's what it takes to be happy in life, it's artificial happiness because it will go away. Your fame will disappear sooner or later. But if that's not what's important to you, you can stay happy and positive because maybe you helped somebody else win. Maybe that other person winning, it was more important to them than it is to me and I'm glad that they got that. But I think if you ask yourself, do you have to win and you can answer no? Your life will go in a positive
0: direction. Kyle, oh, that could be the name of this episode. And I'm gonna write it down. Do you have to win? I'm that is gonna be the title. I like it. Thank you.
1: Good. Well, and I like because we start a little bit with the home and the marriage thing. So, you know, that'll throw people off there.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> that's good. I really like that. Cause, you know, there there are so many different examples out in the world with uh, you know, celebrities and uh you know, whatever, just just tons of different examples in all sorts of industries on whether or not, you know, you have to win. And um, even though you have to remember that even though you're extremely passionate about whatever you're going to talk about or you're going to defend or you're going to debate, that doesn't mean that everyone feels the exact same way. But it also doesn't mean that, that you're completely right or they're completely right or you're both completely wrong. It's... You know, what built our country and and what works in other countries generally is that everyone kind of gets along and does what they need to and and pitches in little bit by little bit by accepting each other. So, you also brought up the sales word, and I want to touch on that before (laughs) we get to the end here because I was obviously, I met you in that referral group because I was a, a store manager for a retail location. And, um, you know, it's, I can remember, I am, I'll be 36 next month and I can remember that ever since I was in sales from 18, it was always, you know, maximizing your customer, maximizing the dollar, um, selling your ratio, closing ratio, how many people you can see, how many you close, how to close different people and their psychology involved. There's, um, I mean, even like. Like therapy almost in a sense is involved. Um, you know, because you gotta listen to these people, just all these different attributes you actually learn just to be a s and here's the part I don't like. Just to be a skeezy old salesperson and holy cow, there's a lot of bad salespeople out there. There's a lot of uneducated salespeople out there, and there is a lot of um there there are skeezy people in no matter what industry it is. But for some reason, maybe like lawyers or whatever, salespeople have always had this aura that they're out to get as much money as they can out of you. They don't care about you, blah, blah, blah. So the the position I'm in now, that company is almost, and it stinks it took me so long to get here, but they're the complete opposite of all that where they would almost they almost don't want to sell people something if it's not the right fit. Like we want to go in, we want to meet you. We want to learn all about what you do, how you do it. And then we want to help bring you more customers and do it the right way. If it's the right fit. And all too often I can remember selling cars and I'd, I remember one time we, I don't know if it was me. I think it was someone else ran out there and pointed at their gas cap and uh, said it was open, so they would stop and say, hey, your gas cap's open. Got it. By the way, what are you doing here? You're not from town, blah, 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 and start wow. <laughs> just start being wow. a, a complete used car salesman. So my huge intro in this is you have a sales background. You've inevitably, inevitably dealt with uh, difficult times in sales. Our income isn't always guaranteed. Sometimes it's very lucrative. Sometimes it's not. It's stressful, you rely on the 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 businesses. Well, both of us rely on egg in our areas. We both rely on other businesses. If they're not doing well, we won't do well. So, your negativity in that situation. How have you stayed positive in all these years in sales? And and what are your thoughts on some of that?
1: So, you know, and I never felt I had to win the sale. That that kind of goes into that. Do you have to win thing? It's I dealt with negative people. Um, I, I would probably come off as a salesperson that if you yelled at me and, and you know beat me up and then I walked away, you'd probably be like, gosh, I don't, I don't think he even understands life because I'll walk away with a smile. You know, like, okay, obviously you're not happy with the price and <laughs> that's okay with me. And I, I will tell you, I've had two, I'll say career sales jobs in my life sales position and both of them had a, a peak and I know I know we all peak but for some reason I find more salespeople where they grow their income every year now you'll always have your highs and lows don't get me wrong but they generally grow every year what happened with me was is I would get started have a good second year and then a phenomenal third year and then something would generally happen uh, be it they would employ a family member or a merge, or there were just a few factors where I finally had to say, I'm not the salesperson that is using this as an excuse. I'm the salesperson that is seeing the writing on the wall. And I'll, I'll use the, the granite company I sold for. And that's where they brought in a family member who was going through a horrible divorce. And he came in only to do commercial. I did not work on commercial. I was all residential. I'm like, that's awesome. Won't affect me at all. Well of course throughout time he shifted from the commercial into the residential and I was full commission he was a salary plus commission because you know family and all of that and it, it was just very frustrating and slowly for 3 years my paycheck went down each year and I finally had to say okay I've done I started showing up earlier I started taking more phone calls I was in the office more like I started doing everything that I felt I could to combat him you know, obviously like being required it because you know he had a bait so he was required to be there so I was changing everything I could it took me three years it took me three years to finally say okay I need to go do something else I've got a kid on the way like I gotta go do something else so it's always been frustrating for me and maybe this is why I'm not like a phenomenal salesperson I'm great with relationships I'm great with you know selling a product educating yada 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 I'm not a hard closer though And maybe that's me in the butt but I don't care But what I learned is, um, you know, there's some things I can't control. And instead of taking the negative route and stepping up to, you know, close harder or don't take no for an answer 17 times, like all that, that's not who I am. And the second that I try to turn into that person, it's going to be more obvious to the person that I'm working with as far as selling them goes, that I'm not who I am. And I'm not, uh, was it, um, Authentic. I'm not, I have no authenticity. I'm just trying to close because I got to put food on the table. And God, God willing, I've always had food on the table. I've always had, uh, you know, a roof over my head. And the time that I had the last penny in the savings account or the checking account, we would embark on some money or something. God always provided. Don't, don't get me wrong there. But it is those valleys you have to go through that you don't want to go through. Um, to see that he will always provide. And that's been a huge challenge in my family. And the one advantage I have over most is my wife. She's been very supportive. And she has supported me on draining the savings account so I can keep working at this company, where I think your average spouse is going to say, no, this isn't paying the bills. You go do something else. And when you're that person, you're going to go do something you don't like to do. But it pays the bill, so I have to do this. And then you get in that rut of I hate my life, and then that reflects on your children, and reflects on your relationship, and you know, and, and that's your friends that you don't want to hang out with because they're so sad in their daily life. Because what do we spend like forty percent of our life at work or something? Isn't that isn't that the number? Yeah, you
0: know, like, if not higher for some of the sales careers,
1: <laughs> right. So that means a majority of your time is spent doing something you don't like to do. tell you the truth, you could even hate it. Unfortunately, it's very rare that you're going to flip the switch on your way home and be like, but now I'm home, so I'm happy again. And that's if you can get away from it. In the sales world, you can't get away from your clients. You can't say, I'm working from 1 to 7 today. Call me during that time. No, you're working from midnight to midnight. Because you might have a client that calls you at, well, this was a countertop installation, and I got a call at 6.30 p.m., and they said, you better come over here and see this installation that went in. Our backsplash is diagonal, and it's supposed to be straight. And I said, well, I'm in my gym clothes, but I'll stop by, and I did. And I was able to work with them, and it was a bad install, so it got corrected. But that's where, you know, as a salesperson, you're on all the time. You're on all the time. You don't have, and banker's hours don't exist anymore, but you don't have an opening closed on your front door. You're working all the time. So it's keeping that line too. You can't let that impact your family. Because for me, especially traveling, my family time is very precious to me. But we've created an environment where my wife understands I need to work at night sometimes. Uh, I understand she needs to work at night sometimes. She deals with loans that have deadlines. And if she can't get it done during the day, It's not I clock out, it's I stay and I get this loan done because I have to. And we don't let it impact our our relationship. We support each other. We have to communicate it. Communication is the key to all relationships. We have to communicate it. Uh, But I want our daughters to see that you can work and have life balance. And it can't be all the time. Like, I'm not working late every night, don't get me wrong. But I want them to see that. That's work ethic. And you can't train work ethic. You can only show work ethic and hope that your children carry that on too. Uh, So that's why, you know, you cannot judge parents by their children. You absolutely can't. But as we said at the beginning of this podcast, things they do are influenced somewhat, mostly by you and stuff that you have done. So (laughs) if you hate your job and all you do is complain about it at home, your kids are probably going to grow up and get a job that they hate and complain about at home. It's probably going to happen.
0: Well, and, and like every uh, every prayer affirmation or, you know, a lot of these parables that are in the Bible, or if you read self-help books, uh, or if you go to therapy or whatever, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 70-some years old. Well, you can change your life tomorrow, right now, today, whatever you know, I would probably highly recommend if it's job oriented that you, you properly search for a job, find another one. Cause we do all need income and take into mind what's going on in the world right now. But, um, I have been in a position where I, I pridefully just quit a job and, and, uh, thought, Hey, I know better than you guys and quit and moved on. And maybe, maybe that was a good decision for me at the time. I don't know, but, um, cause nothing bad happened. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think that's extremely important. That one, you show us that that a support staff and a marriage is is extremely important. It takes give or take, and we all know, even though the 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 stereotypical joke is the the guy backs down, happy wife, happy life, but we all know that numerous times throughout our relationships uh and it seems like in the beginning more it seems to me that the, that the female is always more encouraging of whoever that male is and what their aspirations are and then once they get engaged then they start to pull a little more of their rank and then once they get married then the female does step up a little more and says, "Hey, you got to be kind of a wild animal when we were dating and engaged <laughs> and it's like now we're talking about money and we're talking about kids and So I'm not. I'm gonna support you if it's the right thing, but if it's not, I'm gonna rightfully tell you to to calm down, or I'm gonna karate chop you a little. But (laughs) but
1: but let's not lie. As as two guys married to phenomenal women, I mean, nothing would literally get done around my house if she didn't bug me about stuff. I mean, I'll admit it, and she knows that I'll admit it, and I'll get combative from time to time. But we don't think about changing the color of a wall you know the paint color on a wall because it's painted that's good enough there you know my wife's brain is always thinking of the next thing and well yeah but we could brighten it up a little or something like that and I'm totally reluctant at first cuz i have to do it but then once it's said and done you better believe I'm like that that was a good move that wall <laughs> really looks a lot better now so I, I think it's you know it's important to have that balance and and that's why like your example yeah it's going to happen because you're around them more once you're married living together with kids you got more projects to do and not every project is on the top of my list let me tell you right now which by the way we do have a bathroom wall that i do need to paint i put it up for two years now.
0: I, I chuckled when you brought that up because that's that's what we have been doing when, when I'm not during my business hours is we've repainted every room on the, the main floor, <laughs> and it does look absolutely amazing. It opened it up. It's brighter, and she was completely right, and then mm-hmm. um, yesterday, we cleaned out uh, the older part of our garage, which is just kind of storage, lawnmower, whatever, and uh, like I could have a party out there. There's so much room all of a sudden when it's organized and you put up a shelf that you haven't put up for three, three years. I think we had to just put it together real quick. Um, And that took like a half hour and all of a sudden we could store a bunch of stuff on it, believe it or not. So, um, so yeah, that support is, is extremely important and you have to reflect a lot on, and it's okay. Everybody's going to get angry. Everybody's going to flip out or like we talked about earlier with the kids and stuff, but one thing you mentioned that you do a lot that I really actually enjoy is, and I try to do this very often, is self-reflection. And I don't know if you have some some thoughts on that, but I, I do that quite often, especially with work, as I try to get, get better and learn from objections. Well, it's just the same with life. You, know? you, you go through webinars for, for sales training and all this stuff over years, and you might be like, yeah, I already know that. You already know that. But you always pick up something. And that's what self-growth is. So self-reflection to me is another avenue to, you know, diagnose yourself because you, you can only really fix yourself and then let those actions speak for themselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, on the religious side of it, I think it's uh, the main word is humility that they, they really focus. Self-reflection is very important, but you can reflect all day. And if you can't accept humility, then you're not going to give in. And, and when I say give in, give up, don't need to win, all of that, I mean, there are exceptions to every rule. There are times that, yes, you need to win. If if you're being bullied by somebody and, you know, like your neighbor is throwing trash on your lawn all the time, okay, that that's not fair. And, and you need to win somehow in that battle. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't let people walk all over me, although I probably let people walk over me more than your average person because I don't need to win. But but that's either here nor there. But when it comes to the humility, humility is admitting that you're wrong. Humility is accepting that you're wrong. Or humility is accepting your way is not the only way. And I think you could apply all three of those rules to politics, as we kind of talked about earlier. Uh, You can apply those to parenting, which I learn a lot from my seven-year-old. And we have created a habit of apologizing as parents, as adults. Uh, when we do maybe have a burst or yell. Uh, the other day, Isabelle, uh, my oldest daughter, had something in her hand, and I just grabbed it out of her hand, and I'm like, why do you have this? And I realized that had nothing to do with the situation of what was going on. It, I just saw that, and it was, I don't know, like, like water spilt on the floor or something, and I grabbed the marker out of her hand. I know that's not the exact, but I came back and I said, hey, I'm really sorry that I grabbed that out of your hand. It was just in the moment. <laughs> we say this a lot. You know how I react sometimes, and she does, and <laughs> and she appreciated it, and, and she was realistic. She doesn't, you know, do the well. I know you are a jerk. She says, "Well, thanks for your apology," and I think that's important because I hope she continues to do that as she gets older with her friends, and you know, can maybe get somebody else to to do the same. and You know, that peer pressure instead of just pressure. But to have humility in any relationship and in business. Uh, really empowers other people and, and you allow that person to be empowered because you're opening up to say maybe my way is not the only way uh, maybe your opinion is a good opinion maybe you know, we should put more butter in the these rice crispy treats than what the recipe says and then that's a specific example my wife likes to bake she I like to cook I don't bake and she asked me well should I add more butter and I wasn't paying attention I looked at her and I go I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. You know, kind of like that. Whatever. And she didn't. She she followed the recipe. And they were the worst freaking Rice Krispie Treats I've ever had in my life. (laughs) So the next time, she's like, well, should I stick to the recipe? And I'm like, no, no, no. You were right last time. Please, let's add that butter, even though I don't want it in there, right? And so I really try, uh, when it comes to self-reflecting, like we said, I really try to look at how I can empower this other person for us to come to a compromise, and yes, my seven-year-old knows compromise. It's hilarious when she tries to compromise with her friends, and she gives out this great idea, and her friends just look at her and go, "Well, what does compromise mean?" But it's when you can uh, you can accept that one, you're not always right. Uh, two, humility sucks, but it is it is part of it, uh, and then three, finding that compromise. And when I can't be wrong, we can't compromise. And it's a two-way street. If my wife thinks she's not wrong, then we can't compromise. But when you communicate about that, when you're open about that, when you have humility in the, in the conversation, it's okay to be wrong at the end. It's, it's okay to admit that you're wrong. It's okay to apologize for being wrong. Um, and and this, this goes into a, to a thought that I've had a lot. Um, and if I ever wrote a book, this would be one of the topics. But I truly believe that we deal with the silliness of social media and all of the disagreements and all of the debates and everything, I feel we deal with that more than we used to because we live in a world where I can prove you wrong. If you sent me a text message and you said, I'll be there at five o'clock and you show up at 5.30, what do you generally tend to do to show that other person that they said five o'clock? What do you do?
0: Oh, man, you'd find so many ways to justify how they could have got there on time and that they didn't tell you that they'd be late.
1: Well, and not only that, but don't you have any text message that says I will be there at five, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I can turn that on you and say, look, you showed up at 530. You said it was five o'clock. I showed up at five. I did nothing wrong. You're in the wrong and I can prove it. Our kids are growing up in a world where everything they say, do, and type is documented or kept somewhere, in a video, on a phone, whatever it is. And we have this weird empowerment in our lives, or in, uh, as humans have. I can prove you wrong on so many levels, and I can prove to you how right I was. And I realized this a couple of years ago. I will not pull up a text message to show my wife she is wrong. I won't do it. Because of that excitement, that instant gratification, that I am right feeling, I think that's more addictive than gambling, than drugs, than anything out there. Because one, it, it only affects you positively. It hurts the other person. But who cares? I was right, right? But two, there's, there's no illegal side to it. It's not like you're drunk. It's not like you made a wrong choice. It's not like you, know, you went on a drug bend or anything. No, this is, your, or I was right, you were wrong. Here's the evidence to prove it. And growing up in a world like that, that self-entitlement, where is the humility in that conversation? There is none. It's just data and facts. I'm right. You're wrong. Our kids are going to deal with that 100 times worse than we ever had to deal with that, ever. And I think that's where cyberbullying and uh, suicide and all that, I think that plays huge into it. Because I can't take back that text message. And I did say I was going to be here at 5, and I showed up at 5.30. And if you're not going to take my apology, there's nothing more we can do here. I'm sorry. And I think that's a huge challenge uh, with society.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's... I don't don't know where that comes from. If it's, you know, years of listening to our parents complain about how their parents treated them or, you know, how they don't want to have to work in a coal mine ever again or blah 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 you know how hard it always was for the generation ahead of you and the generation ahead of that generation and that's very true you know like at some point we didn't have running water in your house at some point you didn't have insulation and I always wonder what it was like and this is our example with our kids because it's easy but you know when they're like oh Barrett's cold in here and I go to the temp and it's like 73 and I'm like whoa Calm, calm down. Like it's 73 degrees and it might be like four, uh, 20 outside. So yeah, it's a little chillier in here right now, but you know, throw on a sweatshirt. I remember, or yeah. I don't remember, but I know back in the day, Laura Ingalls Wilder had to, you know, they like stuck hay in between of the, the logs and then <laughs> lit a fire. And then that was how it was. So yeah, I mean, all the stuff gets easier, but now it's like, it's getting to a point where it's so easy that Well, I don't really need you as a friend. I don't really need this job. I don't really Mm -hmm. need this or that because we're starting to realize the world is so much larger than what, you know, uh, what even we thought as kids. But the problem with that is, you know, unless you want to travel all over the country and burn bridges all over, I can tell you from my own experience that living by a town that's only got 25,000 people. I run into people that I pissed off five years ago or 10 years ago and they're not going to remember that dude that really made them angry or was rude to them or um, told them off or whatever the case may be because it made you feel good at that moment. But I've had it. Um, well, when I was working at this retail store we talked about and the last couple few years I worked there, I was a grumpy Gus and maybe I was starting to subconsciously realize it wasn't the path for me. And until I uh, started my new career, uh, one of my clients now came in to buy appliances then and uh, said basically hey you're kind of a jerk and didn't seem like you wanted to help us much and you're you were kind of facetious and yeah I don't care whatever I got more important stuff to do which I know that guy for sure I was there like oh, I got all these manager things to do and then some customer walks in and wants to be helped what the <laughs> heck's up with that crap you know and like mad about it because there was no self reflection and no uh, you know, uh, focus. And now he's like, you're, you're a really cool guy. Like I love working with you. You do a great job at your uh, job now. And like, what was up? And all I could think of was just how unhappy I was, you know, at the time. But, uh, one of my favorite phrases along with yours, uh, was don't make a permanent decision because you're temporarily upset. And, that one always blew me away like think of you know how many times and we could be real dramatic with these situations when you got alcohol and murder and whatever but have you been really mad about something and you punched a hole in the wall and then or you got really drunk and did something and then you wake up and you're like oh i can't believe i would never do that i can't believe i did that or said that and you're like well you did because you let your anger get the best of you and you didn't reflect, you didn't prey on it, you just, bam, karate chop something and then you try to justify it later. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to drop this new phrase on you because if uh, you joked about it, but if I write a book, um, there's a few phrases I have, um, so let's pretend these are copyrighted, but one of them, or trademarked, whatever one it is, <laughs> one, of the, one of them is BFD, a big freaking deal, because you mm-hmm. need to you need to recognize when you have big changes in your life when you're starting to grow. Uh, the other one my wife and I wrote down while driving yesterday was lieify. It's a mixture of lying and justifying. So whatever you're angry about or whatever whatever you're justifying, you know there's that that little hint of hypocrisy, that little hint of lying and then justifying. So you lieify why what you just did, Is Okay. And that's almost where I thought you were going with the texting someone and they show up at 530. And now the Mm. younger generation does this a lot where they just say, well, screw it. I'll get there when I get there because I'm doing whatever. So then you show up and you're like, oh, sorry, bro. I was like, like this happened and then this happened and like I couldn't make it on time and there was nothing I could do. So here I am. And you're like, well, you could have sent me a message. You could have called quick what would you have done 20 years ago? You know, you would have just dropped everything and came because that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. So, liifying. That's...
1: Liifying. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to use that with my daughter, I guarantee you. I <laughs> guarantee you I'll use that with my daughter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, it like went off in our head. Like, well, think of how many times people are... Um, and that's what Facebook is full of, even politically, because... I mean, oh, no. honestly, none of us really know what happens in those, in those meetings, whatever level the meeting is. No one really knows unless you're there. So by the time it gets to a press conference or whatever, yeah, their job is to tell us just what we need to know to survive and to not freak out no matter what the situation or the context is. So in my eyes, when people are like, "What? why didn't you tell us about the blah, blah and the other blah, blah? And it's like, well, be, I don't know. That's just, you know, they can't do all that stuff because they have to kind of keep you safe. So then they start spiraling on things they've read. Well, I heard this, and, and I heard this, and then they said this, and they. And I joke with my wife, and I go, who's, who's they? Who's always the they people talk about? Like, they said, they said. Who is they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went on a little rant there again. Sorry, you've got you you made me soapbox twice, and I don't generally do that on these.
1: Good. No, it's good. Well, and... <laughs> and I, I, we're not going to get political on this because no matter what your views are, this has happened, okay, to one of the presidents that you've supported or not supported. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they'll find, you know, the the current president will say something and then they'll find years ago that they said the opposite. Or, um, you know, the current president says something and uh, then they'll find uh, somebody that's going against it, maybe a past president, they'll find when they agreed with this years ago and everything. This just like, Going right back to the, you know, well, I have it in a text message. It has to be true. Everybody contradicts themselves because guess what? A year ago, we didn't even know what COVID was. So, so if you've said anything in the past, you know, like, oh, well, in this day and age, a pandemic can't happen. Well, yeah, it can't, and it did. But we didn't, we, we didn't experience for a long time. It's like a volcano. Okay, volcanoes erupt often, I guess, in certain areas, and we never <laughs> hear about it. Yep. Well, if a volcano finally erupted to the point that we went back to the ice age, you know, the dinosaurs, not how the dinosaurs died. That's, that's a big bang. But no, it's not. How did the dinosaurs, it doesn't matter. I'm uh, sorry. If a <laughs> volcano erupts and, and we go back to the ice age and everything, I guarantee you, before we lose all technology, people will be posting, I'm like, well, I was told this could never happen. Well, anything can happen. Anything can happen. You're just going to focus on what's in the now. And that's why I think this instant gratification of always having to be right and I can prove that you're wrong, it's going to mean nothing two weeks from now, two months from now, whatever it is, because maybe me being late to that meeting caused you to leave later and you avoided a huge accident or, you know, just that whole ripple effect and everything. That's why, and this plays into my positivity in life, I go with the flow. You get the cards that were dealt to you. And no matter how much you complain, cry, celebrate about it, there's still the cards that you got dealt. You gotta play your hand. And you're not always gonna win. Sometimes you are gonna win. It's gonna be awesome. Or sometimes you're gonna like know you're gonna win and everybody else quit. I always hated that. Right?
0: Yeah. Is that like, like the Kenny Rogers theory?
1: So, oh, man, I listen to that song so often, so yeah, you got no one to hold them, no one to hold them, got no one to walk away, definitely no one to run. Never count your money. I tell my daughter this all the time, I'm like, well, don't count your money at the table. <laughs> looks at me, like, why? I'm like, trust me, it's just good knowledge.
0: <laughs> well, and, you know, there's a lot of those different songs that are people singing, they don't really even think about them, but... I mean, that was probably some life philosophy that he thought he had just learned on his own or something, and was like, "Whoa, what if I made this a poker song?" And then, like, it could be a drinking song and country, and but really, it's <laughs> what it's really about is how I just learned about being a better guy. Yeah. And, I mean, it really good me. Yeah, and it's like here he here I am thinking I broke the mold with Liify and. Five years from now, somebody will send me a letter and be like, um, actually, in 2011, I came up with li and it's trademarked yes. already. So yes. you are the worst negative person I've ever met. And I'll be like, what? I've been doing this for five years.
1: You're stealing from me.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, th- and it'll be a keyboard warrior for sure. He'll probably be, oh, the individual will be 21 and a half years old and will bust my chops.
1: Okay, all right. So I, I think I've got a closing thought on everything, that just kind of recompenses everything. Okay, you ready? I am. Have you seen Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet? Well, yeah. Okay. In there, I think they teach one of the most important lessons to children growing up in this day and age. Are you ready? Yes. Don't ever read the comments.
0: Oh. Uh, Boom. Wow. <laughs> That's very true. I don't know if you checked out the episode we did a couple back with Kat uh, Perkins I stumbled across, which was awesome. And um, she's got about 60,000 followers on her page. And and uh, I was like, well, duh, I have to ask, well, how do you deal with that? And that's exactly what she said was, you know, I get caught spiraling through all those comments, and how can people say that if they don't know me and this and that? And she's like, well, then you just don't read them.
1: Yep. You can't read the comments in life. We never had him before. We can live without them now.
0: You should have had like a, like a, you know, those fatter permanent markers ready. So it would have sounded like you did a mic drop. <laughs>
1: Boom. Well, this is, this is your job for editing. You can edit in a mic drop. Can't you Mr. Fancy pants with your, your Bluetooth and your mixing board. And for those listeners, we chatted a little before he dug into it because of my podcasting experience too. And, I think you did a phenomenal job. Well, no, your wife did a phenomenal job (laughs) in supporting you to get the stuff that gets you where you are today, right?
0: Oh, God, yes. Because like every good American, um, like Ray Zelinsky would want us all to be, um, I am an American and that's who I care about. So I went into national debt with this podcast kit. (laughs) Um, So for for the next 17 and a half years, I'll be paying $42 a month so that I can do these podcasts for free for everyone.
1: <laughs> oh, and I have boom mics that are more than $70 each, and I don't need that in life, but I got them. Yeah. Oh,
0: I got them. I, I'm pretty sure if I retail this whole little mixing kit together, um, well, my wife will listen to this later, so she doesn't. It's just we're here to be as professional as possible for $0. <laughs> But it's, uh, a, it's about the movement.
1: Uh, you know, just like anything, once you get a little better, you always got to have the equipment to support how good you are. Which, by the way, interesting fact, your average set of brand-new curling stones costs 20 grand.
0: Shut the front door.
1: And that's only one color. That's not, like, for both sides. If you were to get your own curling stones for your team, like all red, yeah, 20 grand is the going rate.
0: Well, I'm looking at my vision board. That's always across from me here, and I've got the 2014 Gibson Les Paul Peace Guitar, oh. and it oh. seems like that. That's, and I know it's attainable, but it seems like so far away. And that's only twenty eight hundred dollars. So, <laughs> so now I'm thinking like I'm going to buy two, honey, uh, maybe even okay. f- four.
1: The thing about this, you can play your guitar anywhere. You can only use curling stones on curling ice. Well, I mean, you can use them on regular ice, but they're really just meant for curling ice. So you're very limited on oh. your investment on that one.
0: So. I think I think you're doing it right. You better get your kids into high school and almost graduated and then start getting into curling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can sell my house downsize, and use that money to go buy some stones. <laughs>
0: yeah. Little second mortgage. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's an even better move. They have to sell the
0: house. <laughs> well, it's a good time to refinance, according to the COVID re, uh, rates, from what oh. I hear. <laughs> yeah,
1: no joke, no joke.
0: Uh, so, um, well, I think we did a really good job. We're at about uh an hour forty, and we killed it. Do you oh. do you have any other um thoughts for all these fine people? You know. I've
1: always wanted to put my positivity and my excitement for life and everything into words. And there's so many different phrases Uh, you know, there's so many different motivation things that I, I read, I do, and you know, they come and they go, this, this phrase might mean something more to me on this day than it did yesterday. Um, So I'm just going to go back to, to that underlining statement, no matter what you're doing, In every situation that you're in, before you open your mouth to respond, ask yourself if you have to win. And not everything is a competition. Not every situation has a winning outcome. And I understand that. But truly ask yourself do I have to win? Because when you take that pressure off, you start focusing on the other person instead of yourself. And the more we focus on each other, actually gives us more time to focus on ourselves. Because when we eliminate all of the noise, we get to then zero in on what's important for the person to my right, what's important to the person to my left, and of course, what's important for me in the center. I think I'll close with that.
0: That was very beautiful. And I appreciate that because we always say in our group that you should be the change that you want to see in the world. And eventually everyone will want to join you. Absolutely. Well, Brandon Suba, thank you very much for being uh, one of our honored guests on what is the 15th episode already of Positively Midwest, and um, I haven't been doing these weeks in advance, so this is going to come out in a couple of days, and I kind of like living life that way. Um right or wrong, but I like being able to scrounge these up the week before and then get it recorded and it's all fresh and we can talk about what's going on and they can be relative and then boom, we blast it out into the world.
1: So, so I'll just share that how important that actually is going to play into going future with this. Uh, one of the last few podcasts I did uh, for another company, we totally did this giant thing on sports and talking about the basketball coming up and everything, it didn't air until two weeks after they cut all of the sports. Oh, so I had to go back and edit. And once I edited it all out, I'm like, we actually don't have a podcast now. We need to record it. So it, it might benefit you, especially how things are changing every minute nowadays. Uh, but it actually might benefit you to keep it closer. And your uh, your guest doesn't have to watch what they say either. You know, I can say as we get into spring and since you're going to release this this week we are getting into spring versus uh you know like would <laughs> you release this in the fall you know no it's yeah, we're past spring
0: so. yeah and it's like a to me it's a small time capsule so if someone listens to this and they just hear about positively midwest two three years from now they can look back and and kind of almost relive some of these things uh as they're more relevant to what's going on in the world too and i i like having that feel as well i think
1: rock and roll well i will say On behalf of all followers on Positively Midwest, thank you for all the work you and your wife are doing. I know, like you said, it's all this investment uh, for no return, Uh, but there is a return. You're changing people's lives, and you're giving them the opportunity to live the positive life like you and I support, and uh, that's, that's really, you know, you don't need to win this game. You're just hoping everybody else comes to either play, and succeed and I think that's awesome so thank you Steve for all the work that you're doing I I think that's really cool
0: thanks man I appreciate that and that is what it's about I don't plan to ever make a dollar off this unless someone approaches us and it's got to be the exact right fit and on top of that, that like I said already I wanted to be part of the change I'm not perfect but I wanted to be part of the change that makes people just a little bit more positive perfect well, thank thank you again, Brandon. I'm going to hit the um, little mute button on here for you. I'm going to hit the outro jingle. I'm going to do a little jingle, and then maybe we can say our goodbyes and uh, see how the rest of the world takes us. So thank you again. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening to Positively Midwest. I am Steve Jurens. This is Episode 15. We had Brandon Suban today. We thank him very much. Make sure that you check us out on all major platforms. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud is our host, iHeartRadio, iTunes. We're on just everything that's out there. You can even yell at your Google machine, yell at your Apple machine. And we want to thank John One of the Pain for always letting us have the intro and the outro here for everything. And most of all, please stay positive.